1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, New Living Translation. We're going to review just a little bit. What we're talking about on Wednesday nights is this. Your destiny, your course, your journey, your race, your adventure in God, your finishing line. Amen. I say it this way all the time. Heaven is not your finish line. The judgment seat of Christ is your finish line where you receive rewards for your obedience. Because I'm looking at people on Wednesday night, and everybody in here knows how to obey God. Amen? And we're going to finish. Hallelujah. We're not just going to get done. We're going to finish our course. Amen? And so I said this last time when way of review, um, you know, sometimes in this subject, and I didn't realize this, I was looking through 30 years or really about 33 years of notes. I've kept every sermon I've ever preached. And uh, I minister on this subject quite a bit, and I didn't realize how much. Um, I believe it's big. And a lot of times people who minister on this, they minister in it in Bible schools. Um, I minister it at graduations. Um, those that are called to the ministry. But I, and, and I'm going to give you a statistic that I pulled out of the air and kind of the Holy Ghost. All right? If only 5%, at most 10, but it's really 5 or less than 5, are called to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, pastor, teacher, what we know is the fivefold, those that are preachers and teachers of the gospel. Now, I know everybody in this room realizes, are you all called? You're all, don't be confused. You're all called to the minister of reconciliation, but you're not all called to preach. You're not all called to teach, right? That's a specific call. That's a specific grace that not everyone's given. You should not let anyone call you. Only Jesus. Mama can't call you. Granddad can't call you. Auntie can't call you. Even though, you know, lots of, you know, we need some help. But nobody can call you except Jesus. And when did he do that? He did that in your mother's womb. He didn't do that when you got saved. He didn't do that when you got filled with the Holy Ghost. He didn't do that when you went through Bible Institute. He did that in your mother's womb. Before you did anything right or before you did anything wrong. It really wasn't your choice. So I say it like this, your, your destiny, your course in life is not your decision, it's your discovery. You have to discover what God has asked you to do. So if it's true that 5% or less of the body of Christ is called to the full-time ministry and preachers and teachers, and that's the only ones that need to hear this message, then there's a lot of things in the word of God that aren't relevant for you, which is not true. Because no matter what God has called you to do in your mother's womb, every one of you, he called you and I to be ministers of reconciliation. Amen? He, he's called you to be a discipler, not just a disciplee. We're all supposed to be discipling people. Jesus said, go make disciples. He wasn't just talking to the fivefold ministry. We're all supposed to be making disciples. We are all ministers of reconciliation. But then so sometimes, uh, and especially and more in our circle than any of the spirit-filled circle, it seems as though that we think church is the only place that God happens. But this is just where we come to get the plays at halftime if we're behind or ahead. Hallelujah. This is just where we come to hear from God and we gather together. Uh, life in God is every day, every hour, every minute. And we say it, Pastor Rhonda and I, oh, by the way, Pastor Rhonda is back in torch. She said she was there for Richard and Cheryl's first service 13 years ago, and she's going to be there for their last one. Uh, Richard and Cheryl retiring from torch ministry after many, many years and many, many children. And so next Wednesday night, when you see, they better be in here next Wednesday night. Uh, when you see them next Wednesday night, you tell them thank you, all right? That's part of it, just like Richard and Cheryl. They both have secular jobs, but they, they are ministering to the children. That's what God asked them to do. They do other things too, uh, marriage matters and stuff, but everybody's got something to do for God. But then people will be like, so Pastor Ronner, and what, I, what we say is, uh, you don't have a sacred life, a church life, and a secular life. You have one life, and you live every moment for God. So whether you're a teacher in a school system, whether you're an engineer, a rocket scientist, or one of my favorites, you're a really good chef. Raise your hand if you are. Anyway, uh, you're a good chef or, or um, you know, you're a doctor, you're, you're a mechanic, 
You're currently working at Mickey D's or Wendy's or whatever you're doing. Everything you do in the natural is part of your walk with God. That if you'll understand this, you got to get a hold of it because a lot of people don't necessarily believe this, understand it, and they sure don't practice it. That your life, everything you do, every step you take ought to be ordered of the Lord. Business people in this room. There are some people who are anointed of God to have their own business. There are others who should not attempt it. I believe it's a calling. It's like some people should sing. Other people should sing here. Some people should sing there. Some people should sing here. Some people, even this thing up there, should not record. Everybody's got a gift. Are you with me? What is yours? Well, you know, I'm going to, and a lot of people, what they do is they lead their life and they ask God to bless it. And in our circles, that's real big because everybody I know that are spirit filled can quote Deuteronomy 28. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. And they confess it and they believe it and not much happens. Do you know why? Because of verse number one. You will hearken. Hearken doesn't mean hear. It means to hear and do. All the things written and what he's told you to do. So you can't command and claim the blessing and you're the head and not the tail and you're above and not beneath and just live your life. Now, I've done this a while now, y'all, so listen to me. I've done this 30 years. I'm going on 30 years being a pastor. And I've watched people confess the word. And you know, we believe on confession around here. I'll teach you to confess. You need to confess. But confessing alone is not enough. Your obedience is everything when it comes to you walking in the blessings of the Lord. And part of that, and a big part of that, is your life. Remember, I said it this way. Whether, and this, listen to me, this kind of message is for those of you that are 20, those of you that are 40, those of you that are 60, those of you that are 80, and those of you are, that are 100. I don't know if we got anybody over 100 in here, but it doesn't matter what season or where you're at in your life, we ought to all be obeying God. It is never too soon to figure out who you are. There is an identity crisis in the world today. The reason is because they're not in Christ. And even though in the church they ought to be in Christ, they don't have a revelation of being in Christ. And therefore, they let the world and the God of this world talk them into an identity crisis. You as a born-again believer should never have an identity crisis. You should know who you are. Amen. What did James say? He said, your life, and and this is really not a funeral scripture, but I hear it at funerals a lot. It said, what is your life? Even a vapor. Now, it is true, even if you live to 120 years, in eternity, 120 years is a vapor. It's not much. It's just not much compared to eternity. And in that portion of scripture, it's not my notes, but we're here, let's just do it. James chapter five, he said, how be it, uh, uh, you know, uh, you say that I'm gonna go to this city. And I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go there. He's talking about a business person. And he said, well, I'm going to go to this city, and I'm going to, and I'm going to get gain there for a year. And the Lord said, uh, uh-uh. What you ought to say. What you ought to say if the Lord wills. Now, see, in our circle, in Word of Faith circles, we, we, just, we don't believe we ever should pray, Lord, if it be thy will. Well, you don't pray the prayer of petition, the prayer of faith that way. Uh, that shouldn't be if thy be thy will, because you know the will of God, or you shouldn't be praying and receiving. But for your life, you ought to pray it every day. Lord, if it's your will, I'll do this or that. Because this is what he said. You don't know what your life is on the tomorrow. Your future is nothing without God. You don't have a future without God. They don't have, the reason they're all so messed up out there and they have no hope is because they have no future without God. And because we know our future, the very worst thing the devil could do is kick us to the pearly gates a little early. I don't like that. I didn't like it either when Pastor Rhonda first started saying it. Because I'm like, we're going to, no, no, I'm not getting, we're not getting up a load tonight. Just put it in perspective. Your life is a vapor and you ought to live every day. Because he said, what you ought to pray, Lord, if it be your will. I'll do this or I'll do that. 
It's not about, it's not, it's not a die in scripture. It's a live in scripture. And it's a living where the Lord told you to be a living. And even to the city, even to what you do. Y'all look at me kind of strange. I, I, just so you don't think I'm just saying stuff. James chapter 4, 13. King James. Go to you that say today or tomorrow we'll go into such a city. Continue there a year. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to move down to Orlando. And I'm going to start me a business down there. I'm going to stay for about a year. And I, I'm going I'm I'm to raise it up. And I'm going to buy and sell. And I'm going to make some money. Because I hear Orlando is hopping. Whereas the Lord's reply is, you don't know what your life is. It's just a vapor. And it appears for a little time. And then it's gone. But this is what you ought to say. So he said, this is what I said. This is what the Lord said. And the Lord says, this is what you ought to say. I don't care if you're 20. I don't care if you're 40. I don't care if you're 60. I don't care if you're 80. There's only plan A in God. And even if you messed up and you think you're on D, E, F, or you're clear at the end on Y or Z, there is just plan A. And no matter where you are in your life, you can always get back to plan A. How? I don't know. I just know if I obey God, he works my way back to plan A. He'll have me doing things that line up with what happened in my mother's womb. I know I got to get going. If you ought to say the Lord will, we'll do live and we'll do this. So we're, we're living. We're not dying. It's not a dying scripture. We'll live and we'll do this or we'll do that. Everybody say this. Say, Lord, I want to do the this or the that that you want me to do. Amen. He said, don't rejoice in just doing whatever you want and making your own decision because that boasting is evil. Therefore, to him that knows to do what the Lord said and he does it not, to him it's sin. And so we can't go around even pretending like we can't hear from God and we can't be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing because everybody in the room can. I hear this all the time. Well, I just can't hear from God. That is a lie. You're his sheep and you know his voice. You're born of the spirit. A lot of times we just, the Lord asks us to do something. We get a lead and do something and we're too afraid to do it. We're scared. And instead of saying, well, I'm scared and Lord, I don't know if I can do this or not. We say, he's not talking. He's talking. He's always leading. He's always guiding. You are his sheep. He's your good shepherd. He leads you even through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't have to be afraid. You know his voice. You're born of the spirit. You're led of the spirit. Amen. What am I talking about? I'm talking about your destiny. Why? Because the Lord has put this so strong. I can, hopefully you can, I'm a little passionate about this. What I think is we're all going to be standing before the judgment scene sooner than we know it. And I want you to hear well done. I've lived my life to hear well done. Not well, you're done. I want a crown to put at his feet. And see, if this kind of message is only for ministers, then there's no reason for you to appear at the judgment seat of Christ. There's no reason for him to ask you, what did you do on the earth? If he's going to ask you that, then he gave you something to do. You've got to discover it. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm 80 years old and, you know, I, I don't know. It's never too late. Get that. Forget that. When you were in your mother's womb, Ephesians 2 said, 10 says he prearranged, prepared for you the good life. And if you just discover it at 80, you start doing it and you'll get credit for it. But it's better if you're 20 to discover it now. What is this? I don't make decisions on my own. This is Jesus is the Lord of my life. He's not just my savior. A word we don't like to use sometimes, but he's my master. He's my Lord. He's my king. I'm part of the kingdom. I'm his subject, as well as his child, as well as his friend. But there's that aspect where we have to understand God's got a plan. 
We're in a covenant. He's going to do his part. He's already done it. We've got to do our part. And a lot of it has to do with you and I doing the prearranged things that God has for us. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, help us. Hallelujah. So, I didn't get to, it's close enough. We'll call that review. Hallelujah. How do I get there? Now, I know it's Wednesday night, and I know a lot of you know, if you're in the will of God, then this ought to excite you. If you're already doing everything you know the Lord has told you to do, we can all get a tune-up. I'm going to get a tune-up while I'm doing this. But, but if you're doing the will of God, then this ought to excite you. If you're not sure, then this ought to excite you. If you have no clue, this ought to excite you. So everybody in the room is excited. Amen? Hallelujah. So how do we discover our destiny? Because, again, it's your discovery, not your decision. We ought not just do something. I can't get going. We we can't just do something and say, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. I ask you to bless it. He is not required, nor will he. Bless your plans. You have to make sure they're his. You've got ordered steps. When times get rough, and they will, you have to know you're in the will of God. When I started this church nigh on 30 years ago and nobody came forever, I had to know that I knew that I knew because I had a lot of people talking to me, come back, move back to Illinois. You were premature, get back home. Come back home. You're called the pastor, but you were premature. You're not obviously not ready. You're not that special man. I should let that go. <laughs> but that's what he said. It takes a special man to pioneer. Perhaps you're not that man. Well, what that did was drove me to my knees. Didn't make me mad at him. Well, I guess it might did. I got to keep working at it. But when the Lord said to me, because I said to him, now you don't need, don't, don't try to have my relationship. Because I remember saying to the Lord, I was sick. That first Sunday, I couldn't eat, and I wasn't on a fast. And so that, that, tells you, that should tell you a whole lot. You can tell I like to eat. And I couldn't eat. I was sick. I was upset. But I remember after everybody left, I remember, I can take you to Pulaski Pike, the house I was in, the downstairs, the nasty brown carpet. I'm sure they've gotten rid of it by now. It's a long time ago. But it was nasty. But I said to the Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to basically, I'm going to put my nose in this carpet and you're going to talk to me. You're going to talk to me now. So you talk to the Lord like that? Well, I did then. I don't know if I can always do that, but I did then. You're going to talk to me right now. And then when you answer me, I'll never ask you again, but I need to hear now. And I mean, my nose didn't hit the carpet until you said you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. So I settled it. And then the blessings began to happen. The blessings begin to happen. You've got to have confidence that you're doing what God asked you to do. You've got to have confidence you're in the right. You've got to get rid of that. The devil is mean enough with you all, without you questioning all the time, am I in the will of God? Get it settled. Get it established. Put that off the table. I'm doing what God asked me to do. When God asked me to do it. And everybody's journey is different. You know, along your way, don't try to put your journey on somebody else. What God's dealing with you about. If he's asking you to fast and you know you got 10 people of your friend group, they don't have to fast with you. If he's asking you to fast. You've got to know for you. Are you with me? Do you understand? Where did this all begin? In your mother's womb. And you got to settle that. Before you did anything right, before you did anything wrong, he had a plan for you. Well, I was a mistake. Big deal. Not to God. He knew you. I was unwanted. I I think Jesus was a surprise. Mary was not planning that. Not prepared. 
Didn't have a nursery. Wasn't believing God for the immaculate conception. Right? Come on. You're here. Let it go. My child wasn't, wasn't perfect. I came from a dysfunctional family. Oh, get over it. You're in Christ. Forgive and move on. Manasseh it. What does that mean? He, uh, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh because the Lord causes me to remember no more. Come on, get over it. Well, they ruined me. My mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my first boss, my first pastor. Get over it. Move on. Because it's holding you in place. Y'all glad you came on a Wednesday night? Hallelujah. Glory to God. We have a race to run. Hebrews 12, 2 says, let us run the race that is set before us. It's set before you. Amen. How are we going to do it? Let's just start here. Psalms 119. Psalms 119, 105. Glory to God. Psalms 119, 105. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How do I get to know as a born-again believer the path, the light? It doesn't matter if I'm a minister or I'm part of the 95%. Everybody's got a path. you got to quit thinking that your chosen profession, your work, your what you do, what you do for God on the worship team, an usher um, in the parking lot, outreach, uh, a minister of that that's not your... That, Yes, you have to just do, you need to put your hand to something. My spiritual father said you can't uh, steer a parked bus. So you got to put your hand to something. Everybody should be doing something in the body of Christ. There are no parts of the body of Christ that are irrelevant or unnecessary. You're part of the body of Christ. You need to function. On a Wednesday night, I'll get a little bigger amen than that. You're part of the body of Christ. You ought to function. Are you glad your liver functions? Are you glad both sides of your heart function? Aren't you glad most of your brain works? How many know you can live with one arm, but it's better to have two? You can live with two leg, one leg, but it's better to have two. I like both of my pinkies. I want to keep them both. Right? And so it is in the body of Christ. Every part is not even repetitive. It's necessary. And you've got to discover what God asks you to do. How do I do that? Let's start here. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet. It lightens or the, my, the word of God, revelation of the word of God floods my path. If I can't see it, if I don't know where I'm going, the word of God, just studying the word of God, just speaking the word of God, especially on this subject, will begin to put a floodlight on your path where it makes it plain where you can walk. If you're having trouble figuring out what tomorrow holds, where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do, then begin to get into the word of God, speak the word of God, speak it about your life, take the scriptures I'm going to give you and begin to work that and get that out of your mouth, get that out of your heart, and a floodlight comes to show you your path. It's an ordained path. There's, there's different paths, and we're going to see that. There's, there's the path of the Lord for your life, and there's also the path of the destroyer. You choose by discovery what path you want to be on. The word, of the, the word of the Lord is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I pray this over you every Sunday and Wednesday, usually right before I preach. Ephesians chapter 1. Um, Dana Schrader has a great book called The Ephesians Prayer. She really, uh, I, I think it's in our bookstore. It may, we may be out of it. But if you've never read that book, it's, this is great for Ephesians chapter 1. Um, verse, uh, verse 16 says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of my prayer. So this is a divinely inspired prayer uh, by Paul, by the Holy Ghost. Paul wrote it down. That the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the word of God being a lamp unto our path so we can know where to walk. So I know I'm not just bumping through life. You should no longer, because of the hour we live in, just bump through life. You should take every step on purpose. This is not meant to freeze you. This is meant to free you. If, well, I, I don't want to make a mistake. No, 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 no. God's not giving you a spirit of fear. 
I can know where my next step is. He is talking to you. How do I get it out? The word of God is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And then he said, he will give you a spirit of wisdom. Everybody say this. Say, I have a spirit of wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is, to, is knowledge applied. You know what to do. Wisdom is I know what to do. I know what to do. Everybody say, I know what to do. So one of the things that will keep you in bondage is if somebody says, what are you going to do? And you say, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then what happens? You get faith for, I don't know what I'm going to do. So what should we quit saying? I don't know. Say this, I will know. God will direct me. See, so, so, well, I'm afraid I'm going to lie. I don't know. Well, then say what God says. I will know. I have a spirit of wisdom. I will know. Well, aren't you afraid you'll make a mistake? No, God's not giving me a spirit of fear. And I always know what to do. Well, that just sounds arrogant, Pastor Mark. No, it sounds like the word. It sounds like the word. God's given you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Okay, now let's look at this next part. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So God's promised to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. What are we talking about? I'm talking about the word of God is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I'm talking about my path. I'm talking about my destiny. I'm talking about my discovery. My destiny in my life, your destiny in your life, whether it includes being an engineer or being a teacher, whether it includes being a chef or, or where, and where it includes you living in this area for the rest of your life or you living in wherever you, you know, somewhere else in the world. Whatever it is, everything I do, I do in him. I don't move without him. I, I don't work without him. I don't do anything without him. Well, I've messed that up. Well, all you got to do is say, sorry, Lord, but today I've decided to do it your way. And I ask you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I ask you to enlighten my spiritual eyes so that I can know some things. What is it? The hope of your calling. Now, let's look at this just real quick. Uh, hey, Jimmy, I need some different verses. Give me the, that scripture in Amplified Classic. I'm going to work you up there. Are you ready? But having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you. And how rich his glorious inheritance is of the saints, his set-apart ones. Let's look at the new living. The new living. NLT. I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light. So I pray for you all right now, everybody in this room, that your eyes would be flooded with light. Why do I need your eyes flooded with light? So you can see your path. So you're not bumping through life. You're not just doing whatever. You're not just existing. You're not just going from job to job, house to house. This to this, that to that. You know what to do. You know what it's to, if you're supposed to do this or do that. I know my thises and thats. It's not a guess anymore. I'm not just wandering through life. I'm in the will of God. Uh, that my heart would be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Let's look at the NASB. The New American Standard Bible. I don't know which date when we got the 1995. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what his, is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance of saints? So I did a, a lot of study because I teach it one way and I hear other people teach another way. Uh, all modern translations, about a 50-50 split. A 50% of them translated his calling, making you, and it's capitalized, and that's talking about Jesus. And then another 50% call it your calling. Now, I teach it, you got to understand Jesus' calling before you can ever figure out who you are. And the reason I teach it that way, because then it goes on to talk about, and what is exceeding greatness power to you. It's not talking about in you yet, just talking about to you who believe, which he wrought in Christ. So it's still talking about Jesus, which he raised up from, you know, and uh, to his right hand, seated far above all principality of power and might. And he has put all things under his feet. So it goes, it starts off talking about Jesus. It ends up talking about Jesus. So I believe this is talking about Jesus's call. Because if you try to figure out your call 
outside of his call, you're going to get messed up. you got to know who his calling. And then when you figure out his calling and his uh, blessing, the inheritance that we have because of him, and the power is to us. It does not talk about it in us yet, but to us, and that he is seated. And then chapter 2 then says this, and, he, and you he has quickened. Now he changes the subject to you. Now he changes the subject to me. And then it goes on to say, you've been raised up together with him. Amen? And then it talks about you've been saved by grace through faith. And then it talks about everything Pastor Belinda talked about tonight. That you were strangers to the... Now it's talking about you. My point is, and why I'm kind of uh, going over this again is, in the last days, we have to turn our attention on him and only him. We must set our affections on things above. We must be so vitally connected to him. If you abide in him and his words abide in you, then you'll ask what you will. If we, need, we need to be so connected and so be enamored with him, in love with him, again, that, um, that it's all about him. And when we, we make it all about him, he seems to want to make it all about us. But if you make it all about you, he's nowhere to be found. He cannot bless what you come up with. People live their whole life in partial blessing. Because he'll bless you to the extent that he can. And if you're sitting there saying, yeah, but, then I'm talking to you. Because there is no yeah buts with God. There's just but God. He's not going to tell you to do something you can't do. He's not even going to tell you to do something you don't like. You don't think you'll like it. I didn't think I'd like this. I wanted to be called. I, I realized I was called. But I, you've heard this story. But I, when I used to work at, when I was in Bible school and I worked at McDonald's, everybody, by, you know, being funny, would call me Pastor Mark. And I'd get so mad at them. Because I was their boss, and they were just kind of, you're going to make a great pastor someday, blah, 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 blah. I get so mad because I never wanted to pastor. Never. But I wouldn't do anything else today in the whole wide world because I am not uh, equipped to do anything else currently. I like it. It's my grace. Is it hard sometimes? Yeah, it's not for the faint at heart, especially these days. Lots of social media and stuff. It's not for the faint of heart. And I wouldn't recommend anybody else try it unless you're called to do it, then you better get after it. But I can't be an, I, I, I wanted to be an accountant. And I was pretty good at it. Even in my natural ability. I was pretty good at it. I tell this story all the time. Some of you need, somebody needs to hear this. Listen to me. And I'm not talking just about fivefold. I'm just talking about what God has for you. You can't be afraid. And, and sometimes your dreams that somebody told you you ought to have or that you came up with. I came up with this dream when I was a junior in high school and I wanted to get out of a little town. And I decided I wasn't going to live from paycheck to paycheck. And I was going to be well off. Because I really wanted to be a history teacher until I talked to a few of them. And they were painting houses in the summer. And I didn't want to do that. <sighs> I always had a desire to teach. When I was in college, I got to hanging out with the professors and became a TA. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to go and get my master's and I'm going to teach. And then they, I heard them talking about what they make versus what somebody can make in the public accounting field. And I'm like, forget that. <laughs> so I was money-minded. I made all my decisions based on what money I could make. I had my, pl my pl planned out. I was going to become a partner at Larson, Woodger, and Henson. I was going to live in Paris, Illinois. I was going to be a huge duck in a very small pond. I was going to have two and a half children, two and a half dogs, all the statistics. I was going to live on the big house. Everybody was going to know my name. That was my plan. It was a good one. And I was on my way. So much so that when I got my acceptance letter to Bible school, a partner came that sat down right in front of me. Said, 
you're doing so good. I just want you to know you keep this up. It won't be long. You'll be a partner in this firm. Next day, I went in and resigned. thought, that's a good shot, devil. I didn't even know much back then, buddy. Ooh, that was the devil. Trying to give me, I'll give you all this. All my dreams. All my plans. I traded them in. Now, your story may not be the same. Don't let mama and daddy make you into who you are. You be who you are. That God made you in, their, in mama's womb. Find out what it is. How are you going to do it? I have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. My eyes of understanding are flooded with light. When that happens, when you can see it, you can do it. You can see it. You can seize it. The Lord is not, this is not happenstance. This is not, I don't like this word, blind faith. There is no blind faith. I'm just blindly following the Lord. You're not blindly following the Lord anywhere. Well, I just bumped it to, I know, blind squirrels all get a nut sometimes. I've all been there. You know, I've been there. And, you know, you do bump into things in life. But you don't have to go bumping. You don't have to go here and there. You can know for certain. Again, I don't, listen to me. I don't care if you're 20. I don't care if you're 40. I don't care if you're 60. I don't care if you're 80. This applies to you. Lord, how do I get to what you had for me in my mother's womb? And nobody else owes it to you. Nobody else is going to give it to you. This is you and Jesus. And he'll make a way for you. Well, so-and-so, I had this, and -and so-and-so didn't make, nope, 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 nope. Just you and God are the majority. That's all you need. Some of you didn't like that, but that's the truth. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. So whether, you know, whichever one, let's go back to King James Version, Ephesians 1. So the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what the hope of his calling. So uh, Jesus, show me your calling. Show me everything you did for me. Show me all that. Reveal it to me. How? By the word. Flooded with light that I would know the hope of his calling and the riches of his glory and the inheritance of the saints. And then after you know his calling, you can know your calling. Let's look at some of this. Let's look at, um, so how am I going to know? Uh, you all know John 10, uh, 3 uh, through 5. Uh, not in my notes, but John 10, 3 through 5. It uh, talks about that we are his sheep. Are you his sheep? Everybody's been, uh, have you been admitted to the sheepdom? John 10, uh, 3, the porter opens, the sheep hear his voice. So how do I know what my destiny is? Well, number one, I got to be a word person. I got to let the, have revelation of the word of God. And I got to get flooded with light. When I get flooded with light, it's on my path. And so I can, I can take that step confidently because I see it. And if the Lord is asking you to do something or you're being led to do something, you know, he's not going to let you fail. Even if you can't figure it out in the natural, he's not going to let you fail. Even if nobody else is with you, you, you have to know. Now listen, so well, there's counsel and, and wisdom and, and many. And if grandma and grandpa and, and uh, Uncle Joe and everybody's against it, that I ought not do it. Then I wouldn't be here today. Wouldn't be here today. There are businesses in this room that wouldn't have started. There are are marriages in this room that would not have happened if you did not step out and obey God. I started to say, get real plain. I'm going to do it. Even if you hack mama and daddy. But you can't just do that on your own. You've got to know you've heard from God. But you know his voice. I'm not talking about you being rebellious. I'm not talking about you being ornery. I'm not talking about you disobeying mom and dad. There should be no teenagers in this room. There should be all in youth. There shouldn't be, you know, 
uh, children. We're not talking about disobeying mom and dad. If you want to live a long life, you've got to obey mom and dad. It's the first co- commandment with a promise. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about making decisions based on the economy, based on my intelligence, based on where I live, based on what I look like. Based on what everybody else tells me. No. In your mother's womb, before you did anything right or wrong, God had a plan. And it was a good one. He thought it was real good. And you're responsible for it. This would blow some religious hair back. Here you go. There's none in here to be blown back, but If you were supposed to be just rich, so much money, and you were supposed to be funding the gospel, and you wouldn't step out to start your business or to do whatever God told you to do, you're responsible for that. I guess this is Wednesday night. This is for the strong folk. This meat. I serve milk and toast and a few chunks of meat on Sundays. This meat, listen to me, this is a big deal. Do you want to hear well done? Then we have to find out what God asks us to do. And we got to do it. And it's not just being a preacher. Are you doing what God asks you to do? Now, don't no go on, go home and tell their wife, I'm quitting my job tomorrow because Pastor Mark said, and I, I'm not happy, baby, and so I'm quitting. Don't you dare. You have a plan and you work it out until it's all, everybody's in agreement. Amen. Well, I'm going to take that job in D.C. I don't care if you're going or not. Pastor Mark told me to follow my dreams. Well, that one's happened more than once. I was believing for overflow. I was believing for increase. I'm believing in the God of the double. It's a double, and so I don't even have to pray about it. I'm going to take it. And then lives fall apart because we're not money-minded. Amen. Y'all good? Verse 4. <laughs> and when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. You've got a path. The shepherd is in front of you. You're a sheep. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Where am I going? I'm going to green pastures. I'm going to green pastures. I can't get there on my own. I'm going to still waters. I can't get there on my own. All around me, I'm living in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm living in this world. But there's a table that's prepared for me. And I'm going to get to that table by following my good shepherd. And I know my shepherd's voice. I know my shepherd's voice. I know it. Listen to me. You don't have to learn the voice of God. You know it. When did you know it? As soon as you got born again, you, you are his sheep. You know his voice. People teach all the time, well, you got to learn the voice of God. And it's going to take you a long time, and it's going to be hard, and you're going to make mistakes. That's not scriptural. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says, Jesus said, you know his voice. Romans 8, 14 said, because you're born again, you're led of the Spirit of God. 1 John 5, 10 says that you you have a perception on the inside of you. Your, Your spirit bears witness with his spirit that you're children of God. Your spirit knows. I'm not talking about voices. Don't ask, well, Lord, give me a booming voice. I need to know. Write it on a cloud. I need to know. No, you're led by the Spirit of God. On the inside, you know his voice. Mark chapter 2, Jesus perceived Even Jesus was led by perception. What is that? That's an inward knowing. What is perception? It's not based on outward things. It's based on inward things. I know. I know the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. My steps are ordered. I know my steps. I know what I'm going to do. I know. I know. If I don't know, I will know what to do. I'll know what step to take. I'll know what decisions to make. I know what business deals to make. I know where to live. I know what house to buy, what house not to buy. I know where to invest, where not to invest. If you're single, I know who to date and, not, and who not to date. 
Oh, oh, no, I don't want to talk about it. They've heard it. So, you've heard it. They've heard it. So I was in Bible school. There's this cute little girl. And um, she's from a good church. Knew some important people. Some people I admired. Still do admire. So we were going out. I don't know if it was a date or not. We were going out. You know, I've heard people call Rama Rama. Uh, Bible training, uh, Rama Bridal Training Center. So everybody, you know, ring by spring, all that kind of stuff. And um, so I'm single. It's a good place to find someone. So this girl, she's cute, comes from a good background. And uh, we are going out on the first date. I was leaving the house, and the Holy Ghost said, she's not for you. He didn't say she's bad. He didn't say she's a sinful, heathenistic woman that's going to get you off your call. He just said to me, she's not for you. I mean, we all know she's not in here. I'm, I'm glad I got the right one. After Jesus, that was the, the second best decision I've ever made in my life. And that's a fact. I'm grateful. So, did I mention she was cute? <laughs> so I worked till 1 or 2 in the morning, and she didn't work at all. Somebody's paying her way. So I'd get home and we'd talk on the phone till two or three in the morning. I'd have to get up at six and then I'd have to be at work and she'd get up, go to school, and then go home and take a nap. So I did that. And every time, I just on the inside, the Lord didn't say she's evil, she's wicked. He just said she's not for you. And so um, some of you don't know, some. You've never met, but uh, there was a woman that worked with uh, me at McDonald's. Her name was Christine. I call her Mama Christine. Her uh, granddaughter, Candace, uh, and goes to our church, her husband, David, uh, the Muir's. Anyway, um, so Christine thought she was my mama, and I'll never forget. Uh, she's from Louisville. She ended up moving down here to help uh, us when we got. But I remember this girl walking in to McDonald's where I was the manager, and as soon as, you know, and everything stopped, I let them all work, and we're busy, but I, you know, gave her my full attention and just, you know, smiling and chatting. And some of the guys were like, eh. you know, but, um, you know, Mama Christine, she leaves. She looked at me, she said, she's not for you. So you know what I did? There was a Christmas banquet coming up. I got a tie that I couldn't afford to match her dress. Getting ready to go. The night before, she calls and says, I've decided to go with someone else. And then the Lord said, I told you she wasn't for you. That was it wasn't the end of it either, though. I was a nice guy. Still am. Everything is important. Do you know what's the big deal about that? A, I learned a lesson. But B, I lost a whole lot of sleep that I could not afford to lose. I need my beauty sleep. I function best on 8 to 10. I was working on 2 or 3. I was missing things. I wasn't sharp. The Lord will let you do whatever you want to do. He says, well, I just believe. Well, what do you believe? What does the scripture say? Well, I just believe everything that's meant to be will be. Well, you believe wrong. I just believe if it's meant to be, it'll be. You believe wrong. That's not scriptural. Well, God's sovereign. Yeah, and he's limited his sovereignty to his word, and he gave you a free will. The decisions you and I have made over the years, we're living with them. Now, he can forgive us. Amen? This is meaty, y'all. Y'all ready? Hallelujah. Because you want to get there, right? You don't want to play anymore, right? You want to get there, right? I want to get there. I mean, if I give this to you, that means I have to get it first. 
Listen, um, you know, you can do, people don't understand. The will of, of God, his will is so important, but he gave you your free will. You can make choices. People don't understand that. They blame God. Well, this is not happening. But people make choices. Everything that is didn't necessarily have to be. But aren't you glad God is merciful and kind and good and he's given us a gift of repentance? And we can get right back on the right path. Why? How? I know his voice. I guarantee you when you're messing up, there's that unction. Every time I went to go do something, she's not for you. Outside came from somebody I love and trust, even though I didn't want to hear it. Exact words. Exact words. Nothing added to it. She's not for you. Well, then Mama Christine did turn around and say, I don't think I like her. And I, I do remember that. <laughs> I think she gave me a, you know, a little... She was good at her toots. Hallelujah. And you always knew, at least you always knew what she thought. Anyway, so, uh, so, but was she right? Was God right? He was right. Is the woman bad? Nope. Went on to live a happy, successful life. So why? But thank God there was some, t- I don't get into all of it. Could have made some mistakes. God has a plan. I don't care how old you are. I don't care where you're at, what season you're in. Find it. Do it. How am I going to find it? I know his voice. Come on, everybody boldly say, I know know the voice voice. of my good shepherd. Verse 5. And a stranger, I'm not going to follow. But I'm going to flee from him. So I don't have to make a mistake. I'm afraid I'm going to get it wrong. Quit being afraid of getting it wrong. Quit being afraid of getting it wrong. I know his voice. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Come on, God loves you too much. He's proven that. He gave you Jesus. What's he going to withhold from you? Well, if I don't get it exactly right, he's going to be mad at me. He's not going to be mad at you. He's going to guide you. He's going to lead you. He's going to help you step by step. If you get out of step, he'll lead you. You don't have to worry about it. Quit living life afraid. Quit living life worried. There's no fear in him. There's no condemnation in him. He's good. But don't use an excuse. He hasn't said what to do. I guarantee you, you have a knowing on the inside of you. And if you don't, you just keep meditating on the word. Let it be flooded with light, and he will reveal to you what he wants you to do. Amen. Isaiah 30, 21 says this, And thine ears shall hear a word behind them, saying, uh, This is the way. Walk ye in it. Come on, the Lord saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. What are we talking about? The steps of the righteous order of God. There's a path for you and I that he wants us to walk. He's saying, This is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. Walk in it. And every one of your lives are different. Every one of your children's lives are different. Everyone will only be fulfilled in life when they do what God has asked them to do. And you can't compare your life with anybody else. You just got to be, be, be happy, be joyful, be content where you are, what God has called you to be. And just believe that you know the next step. And you're not going to be afraid. Well, hallelujah. That was a little past review. Is it? No. Hallelujah. Let's look at these. We may have already done some of this, but let's look at this. Let's look at, um, let's look at Psalms 37, 23, Amplified Classic, and then we'll go. Psalms 37, 23, Amplified Classic. Jimmy, you're doing good. The steps of a good man or a righteous man. Are you righteous? Are you righteous? They're what? They're directed and established by the Lord. When he, the Lord, delights in your way. So I say it like this. The Lord loves you the same as he loved you when you were a sinner. The Lord doesn't love you anymore today because you're born again, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. What? Well, he's got to. Then that'd be performance-based love. 
He, loves you. he loved you when you were all together unlovely. Everybody say, God loves me. Aren't you glad? And your, how, your performance does not equate to how much God loves you. He just loves you. And he gave you Jesus. Now, this is a little different. Your ways can more or less please him. You can be more pleasing to the Lord by obeying or disobeying, by trying to follow, not trying to follow, by doing the word. Because remember what Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Praise the Lord. I love the Lord. I love you, Lord. No, I'm not going to do that. I love you, Lord. Tithe it. No way. I love you, Lord. Wednesday nights, never. Hallelujah. I love you, Lord. It's just a song then. But when you love him, he said, you'll do what I say. And that's different. You know, we all have to do the word. But then for your life, you know if you're obeying God or not. Aren't you glad it's not a competition? With anybody else. The Bible says to compare yourself among yourself is foolish. So you can't compare your journey with my journey. I can't compare my journey with your journey. And you can, can't compare your journey with each other's journeys. We're all under construction. We're all on our way. Amen. He, the Lord, delights in the way. And he busies himself. So when you are obeying the Lord, then he, the Lord, it's he, capital, he busies himself with every step you take. The Lord is busy about watching your steps when you're doing it his way. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. What does that mean? Well, and sometimes some people are like, oh, I like that scripture. So this is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. I delight in you, Lord. I delight in you, Lord. I want to do that. Bless it. But that's not what it is at all. God is the one that created you with desire to do something. And it would line up with his word. And that's why when people hit it, when people find it, it's like, finally. Right? And when you delight yourself in the Lord... He puts those desires in there, and then he's able to bring them to pass. So my life is centered around Jesus. And when I delight in him and his word. Now listen, someone needs to hear me, because I think there's a perfectionist or two among us. The Holy Ghost told me to stop. Listen to me. I am not talking about doing a bunch of work and you being perfect to earn God's um, blessing on your life. And i got to do everything just right. No, no, no. This shouldn't make you rigid. This should make you free. Because I, as long as I am obeying, as long as I'm doing what I'm hearing, as long as I'm doing the word, and he's delighting in my ways, then he busies himself about to do it. This is not about perfection. This is not about, oh, I don't want to make a mistake. If that's where you're at, you need to toss that aside. That's fear. Come on. Jesus, he's light and easy. His burden is light and easy. Doesn't mean you don't have something to do, but he's not a taskmaster. He is not beating you with a fly swatter if you take one step out of line. Aren't you grateful? There's no big baseball bat in heaven. Amen. Amen. I'm just talking about, so what is, should this be doing to you? What's it doing to me? It's just, I want to make sure I'm doing everything he wants. Because I know even if I don't, haven't discovered something yet that I'm supposed to be doing, then um, it's light and easy and it's joyful. And it'll help me get to my finish line. And if I'm doing it, then it'll help everybody else. You say, well, that's true because you're a minister. No, it's true for you. No matter who you are, no matter what you're called to do. No matter what you do uh, for work or to make money, um, if that's what the will of God for you right now, then you're walking in his blessing and you should be, you're the favorite of the Lord. He, he'll get you things that he can't get to other people. He'll use you right there in the middle of all that for his glory, for his honor. Amen. And you'll be content. And you'll be content. Oh, Lord, they got to go. Hallelujah. I tell these stories all the time. Somebody needs to hear me even if they've never heard it before. But you got to hear this one, then you got to go. Um, so I wanted to be an accountant. I was a good accountant. 
You've heard this story. Went to Tulsa, got an accounting job, made more mistakes in one week. Um, the owner of this accounting firm came into the office where I was working, and he said, I checked all your references. Everybody thinks you're the greatest ever. He's like, I think he called me an idiot. He's like, you don't know what you're doing. I was up for partner a couple weeks ago. I was going to get a promotion in Indy when I left because I was like head and shoulders above. Because after I got born again, got filled with the Holy Ghost, that's where I was. And because I was following after the Lord, he blessed where I was, even though I chose it. Because I was fully obeying him now, he blessed where I was. He, when, I, when I couldn't figure out the problem, when I would go home at night, the next morning I'd come in, the Lord would tell me what to do. He knows accounting. And he told me what to do. I looked like a genius. I was getting raises everywhere. And then now... This guy thinks I'm an idiot. And I literally made more mistakes. I didn't know what it was. It's like my accounting brain left. I remember my mom, we were driving to Tulsa. And she said to me, she said, what are you going to do? I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll work anywhere but McDonald's. Because that's what I worked through as a manager to pay my way through college. It's interesting, those nevers are sometimes the dealings of the Lord that your flesh doesn't want you to do. Because you've heard this story, because then I'm, I'm, I'm this guy. He says, and this guy was a spirit-filled Christian who loved Jesus, but didn't like me. Because obviously, I don't know what I'm doing. So I did him a favor and I quit before I got fired, because I was sure wasn't going to get fired. I've never been fired at anything in my life. I've always been the employee of the month and the, all that. I didn't know what this failure stuff was. So I said, but what's up? It's like, I didn't tell you to do that. You've, must have even heard the story. He said, go work at McDonald's. Because if you don't, you'll miss half your training. Well, I found God funny. So I understand Sarah. I found him funny. <laughs> got a little irritated too. I have an accounting degree that I paid for. I had a perfect job making big bucks after school into the evening. And you want me to go work at, put on those greasy blue pants and that ugly tie again and smell like onions? Are you kidding me? But I had already figured out this is not my life. And I knew his voice even back then when I didn't kind of know it, but I knew it. And I did it. And then to make things worse, where I went to, you know, I didn't know my way around Tulsa. And I got this job at a McDonald's in Sepulpa, which I thought was a street. <laughs> and it was a town. So I had to drive an hour to work and an hour home. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't trade those two years. Because then this is what happened to me. I'm, I'm trying to let somebody go. But somebody needs to listen to me. And if one person gets this, you don't, whatever the Lord tells you to do, you don't have to figure out why. You don't even have to like it at the beginning. But I'll tell you, those two years, I loved working at McDonald's. I loved it. I loved everything about it. I got so good at, I was so good that when I left and I was gone for a couple weeks, the owner called and he wanted me to go to Hamburg. Anybody know what Hamburger University is? It's top, top, man. It's top, top. <laughs> Hamburger University, it's top. Skip everything, go right to Hamburger U. It's a real place. I, I, I kind of wanted to go. And he wanted me to come back and fix all of his problem stores. Because every, every store I went into, not even as the store manager, but every store went from his worst store to his most profitable store. Not because of me, but because it's like Joseph. 
This grace is on my life. The people you work for ought to be grateful you walk in their door. If you do it right, if you do it right. But I do remember my life's always not been the way I wanted it. Because then I do remember the day the Lord told me to go back to Paris, Illinois. Again, not happy. Thought I was forever delivered from the cornfields. He sent me back home. But I'll never forget, because I was like, oh, all right. But then I'll never forget when I gave my two-week notice. I was like, these pants are ugly. I can't believe I had, it, it, it was off me. And I couldn't do it. I was so happy to get out of there. I was like, it's weird, it's weird but cool how whatever God asks you to do, you'll be anointed to do it. You'll be graced to do it. Come on, if he can anoint somebody at McDonald's, somebody as an accountant, same person, totally two different things. He can anoint me to preach. He can anoint you to work at Walmart. He can anoint you to work uh, from Walmart to be an executive. It doesn't matter. But you got to know you're in the will of God.